to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am currently more so fueled by powdered Gatorade, this thing called Liquid IV that I love to chug, because the Colorado altitude is coming for me. I arrived here two weeks ago at this point, and I was fine. I couldn't believe how fine I was, I think, because I drank a bunch of seltzer in the car ride here, the uh, 14-15 hour car ride, but now that I'm just used to sitting at my desk, barely drinking water, chugging a coffee, my body is rejecting the mountains. So I apologize if I sound extra dry-mouthed or out of breath, though good old Jeff Fox really makes me sound great when I'm here. Thank you, Jeff. An early shout out. This is a different kind of episode. We're just talking about Jeff front end and back end, which because it's a churros hotline call and show anything goes. I'm doing the arm worm, but you can't see it. So it's lost on you, sadly. Anyway, dehydration aside, I do want to let you know some housekeeping things that are coming down the pike. Next week will be the last episode of season two, but we will return. We're just taking a few weeks off to get everything prepped and ready for the following season. So trust me, there is still podcasty things happening in the background. We are actually also doing away with seasons, surprise, to <laughs> keep these podcasts rolling all year round right into Shrek'sember. So know that this month-long break is the last one for a while. Last week's show was pretty intense, and next week, our season finale takes that to a new level. You have no idea what is coming for you next week. I cannot believe I have sat on this secret for this long. So this week, I just wanted to take a chance to chat with you one-on-one as the public listens in, answering your calls, your questions, your concerns, your opinions, your hot takes, your theories, everything. I wanted to shove it into this episode so we could just have a chill-out time, figuring out little mini-mysteries, wondering how do you deflate a balloon? when you want to bring it home from Walt Disney World and judging when Disney Dining Plan will return. So stick around. This one's going to be just a hang between two very intense, cool episodes. Just a little, not a lull, because that makes it sound boring, and this one will not be boring. Trust me, we're talking sewage. We're talking caramel. Why did I list those together? I already regret that, but we are getting into it, and it's going to be just a hang, just a casual good time before next week's season finale banger. So stay tuned. There's so so much more ahead, and I cannot wait to play it for you. Churros Hotline Call, baby! Woo! Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Carly. My name is Alex. We are uh, big listeners of your podcast. Was curious to know we have a trip down to Florida in Walt Disney World at the end of August. 
but we were outruled and we could only go to three parks, so we had to take out Epcot out of them. We're going to the, the, the remaining three. That said, my sister is a big fan of the caramel corn, um, all because of you. And every time we go to Epcot, we have to get the caramel corn um, at the Germany Pavilion, I believe. Um, so I was curious to know, because we're not going to Epcot, are there any substitutes or other places on Disney property outside of Epcot that we can get somewhat similar popcorn, specifically caramel corn? Um, would love to know your insight on that, Ed. Thanks so much, Carly, and we love listening to you. Oh, boy, Alex, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the answer is no. It's a big old sugar and butter coated no. I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you, but you can only get caramel kush popcorn at caramel kush. For anyone confused, we are not talking about the bagged caramel corn that is sold everywhere. No, no, no. Mickey is not on this. This is homemade Werther's caramel popcorn, and it is... It is so good. It is so good. And I'm so sorry because you know what? Your sister knows what's up. Your sister has fabulous taste. And I hope you tell her that. But you can't, you can't get it anywhere else. You can't get it anywhere else. Now, in a pathetic attempt to be helpful, I thought, oh, I'll maybe give you some other fun popcorns to try. But unfortunately, you kind of can't get any of them right now? Big Top Souvenirs, which according to Disney Food Blog has an inferior caramel corn I have yet to try, is still closed in Magic Kingdom. And Katsaka's Kettle, which I much prefer at Disneyland, by the way, is also temporarily closed at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Gah! So sadly, there is just no way to get really good caramel corn or a substitute thereof without going into Epcot. So... The only advice I have for you, which is extremely unhinged, I recognize that from the get-go. The advice I have is for one of you to upgrade to a park hopper and to go get the popcorn. I know it comes at a pricey premium that basically makes no sense, but sadly, I think my solution to you not going to Epcot is for you to go to Epcot. <laughs> My suggestion to get caramel corn outside the parks is to just suck it up and go to Epcot and get it because it's delicious and it's worth it every time. Uh, sorry to explode all your vacation plans, but I'm siding with your sister on this one. Thanks for calling. Beep, 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 beep. Carly here, back with a mini mystery solved. I heard from Winona Bechtel this week, as heard from in our Bob Baker Marionettes episode, and she told me that with the help of the internet, our figment conundrum is solved. Former Imagineer Paul Torigino, no idea if I'm saying that correctly, got in touch with the theater and sent them a photo of Paul holding the figment in question. Paul said in a caption that it was one of the figment puppets they painted for the Journey into Imagination ride at Epcot as suspected. These puppets were for the filmed segments of the ride with puppets made by Bob Baker and filmed on a soundstage at the Disney studio. There you have it, a mini mystery solved, all wrapped up like a little figment puppet in a yellow figment sweater. Oh, it's so cute. We did it. Hi, Carly. It's Andy from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm turning 21 this year and decided that I want to come down to Walt Disney World to celebrate my 21st birthday drinking around the world at Epcot. And I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but I always start in Canada so you can end in the best in Mexico. I know you don't agree with that, but I'm going to do my own. 
Anyway, I wanted to know if you had any advice for a broke college student like myself who wants to plan a quick, like, weekend trip to celebrate down at Walt Disney World. I will take any trips or any tips on how to save money on my trip. Love the podcast. Thanks so much. Bye. Happy birthday, Andy! Okay, if we're talking about how to save money on your 21st birthday, we're going to be very real about it. I made a list of rules for you, which may be aggressive, but here is what I would advise you for your birthday. First of all, stay off property. Because you're kind of here to hang and not to ride rides, you don't really need to worry about much of the Disney-level hotel perks. Or if you do want to stay on property, if that's really important to you, look for a room with high capacity. My friends and I, for my bachelorette party, stayed in the tree houses at Saratoga Springs. But we were on a longer, more dedicated Disney World vacation, so it made sense for us. I would also suggest looking into Swan and Dolphin, which could be a bit cheaper than other on-property hotels, but is ideally located because you can walk to and from Epcot, which is the safest option. I don't know if you're driving or flying, but get groceries, have snacks on hand, and maybe have stuff to have a drink in your hotel room before you go. I don't know how big your party is, but it'll cut down on the cost of drinking expensive theme park priced drinks. And having little snackies around means you won't need to be ordering late night food if you have any self-control, which I do not. Whatever you do, be sure to factor in the cost of transportation. Do not drive if you are drinking. Do not. Do not. You can split Uber and Lyft fare very easily among your group of friends, so make sure your friends are prepped in advance for this. This is not the place to cut money. We will save money elsewhere. Related? Don't go too hard. You save about 20 to 40 bucks just by doing that. You're already spending so much money to be inside of Epcot, and you don't want to be messy there, by the way. It's embarrassing. Even having one drink too many in that park feels it feels different. Just don't don't be that person. Err on the side of not drinking enough because you want to remember it. It's your 21st birthday. You have a lifetime to party. Enjoy being in a beautiful place with your friends and potentially family. Also, I recommend having a plan for food. It doesn't matter what it is, just make sure you stop somewhere once you arrive, halfway, I don't know, to make sure you have food in your body. Do I think you should start at Mexico? I do. Do I think you should have your margarita first because it's the most memorable drink and the best one you're going to have? Yes, yes, I do. Do I recommend eating at La Cantina de San Angel because you can easily split a plate of beans and chips and rice and things like that? Yes, I do. Again, you do you, but I gotta advocate for moving in the the proper direction. You'll want to cherish all the Mexico memories and then move on with your night. And my last tip, when it comes to drinking, don't pressure anyone. This is not just for personal safety and respecting your friends who have traveled with you, but also to save money. You yourself don't need to drink a whole drink at every pavilion. I know the joke about drinking around the world is very fun when it comes to Epcot's World Showcase, but you don't have to commit to the full level. When I went for my bachelorette party to save money, my friends and I split drinks. We would get a drink in, say, Morocco, and then a few of us would drink from it. This is not a COVID-friendly choice, not a pandemic pandemic time-friendly option, but depending on who you're with and what your plan is, that instantly lowers the cost and allows you to quote-unquote drink around the world without going anywhere near overdoing it. Just a sip counts. You don't have to be a completionist at this. It's your birthday. Have a good time. And if you, like me, tend to get really snacky, I'd pack a treat. Pack something cheap and easy that you'll look forward to eating, which could save you five to ten bucks a pop. Seriously. Sometimes you just need food, especially with all that walking. And a Rice Krispie treat or a cookie or a handful of pretzels can really keep you from impulse spending too much on a little snack while you're out and about. Hope that does the trick and have the best birthday! 
day. Cheers to you. Hey, Carly. I just want to say I like Kermit. I like Fozzie. I like Ralph. I like Sam the Eagle. But my favorite Muppet characters are probably Beaker and Animal. Does this mean that the best Muppets are the ones who can say the fewest amount of words? I'm kind of thinking so. Thanks. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting take. Interesting take. I like this. I don't think that they are the best because they don't say as many words. I would say that they are the best because they have a clear shtick. You know what I mean? Animal is a character whose traits you instantly know. Beaker? You know he's just going to beep beep his way through everything. Like, they are very, very clear characters. Not to say that the rest of the Muppets aren't, but someone like Kermit, as we've seen in recent films and television shows, Kermit is malleable. Kermit can be changed a bit to be, you know, maybe he's stressed out about Miss Piggy. Maybe he's the star of the show. Kermit can play a lot of different versions of Kermit, but there's only one animal. And there's only one Beaker. And I think you are just drawn, as I am, because Beaker is one of my favorites, you're drawn towards their strong character traits. They are always themselves. And maybe you just like them the most because through all of the properties that you've seen the Muppets in, they remain unchanged. They are reliable. They are reliable. And that's why you love them. And I love them too. So no harm in it. I don't think it's words, though. I don't think it's words. I think it's just their their personalities. They're brilliant, wonderful, Muppety personalities. And also, Fozzie Bear is great, but like, sometimes his jokes are annoying. You know what I mean? Don't get me for that. Hi, Carly. It's Molly from Montana. Um, I just had, it is 11.08 p.m. here in Montana. And I have a very pressing question because I just watched the Lost Bros um, Instagram story, which love them. And they were at the Food and Wine Festival in Epcot. And I noticed on all of the menu boards, there were, you know, the typical, like, little gluten-free signal signs, everything like that, the vegan ones that they added now. But there were the little purple and white symbols for the Disney dining plan. And so I want to know, why bother putting those on there if that's not going to be in effect soon? Do you have any insight or some inside scoop on if the Disney dining plan is coming back soon? I'm going to Disney World in October, and we're really, really hoping it's in place by then. Um, so I would love to hear your insight into why that's on all the menus. Thanks. Love the podcast. Woo! I love me a late night Epcot emergency. You are very eagle-eyed to notice the Disney dining plan symbols on the menus throughout Epcot's World Showcase for Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. That is a mouthful. Phew! But here's the deal. Food and wine this year lasts 128 days from now through November 20th. This is a long haul festival. And essentially, I would not be surprised, as you've noticed, if Disney dining plans return during that time. October 1st is the official start date of the 50th anniversary for Walt Disney World, a celebration that's going to last 18 months. These are whoppers of timelines here, people. And I know that October 1st is essentially a benchmark for when a lot of things are going to be back to normal. Things are going to be back to Disney World is returning, and that's really a target date. So I would not be surprised if Disney Dining Plan is announced to start then, to start around then, basically in the last 
month and a half of the festival, I would not be surprised if Disney Dining Plan is back. They don't want to print these signs twice, so I would assume they just slapped it on there for now. But I really don't know when it's coming back date-wise, but it will be coming back. And apparently, we now know that it'll be back before December 2021. So keep that in mind. Just just stay cool. It's on its way. I hope it's back for your trip in October. But I I would have to, I, if I was betting, I would say yes. That's that's where I stand. So yeah, Disney Dining Plan is on its way back. Epcot's Food Festival is uh, so long. <laughs> and I would definitely stay tuned to my friends at Disney Food Blog who are on top of it when it comes to eating throughout Disney World. Thanks for calling. Can we just talk about the fact that no one wants to talk about Adventureland smelling like sewage? I mean, I don't know if it's for thematic purposes where they're trying to make the Jungle Cruise smell like the animals are defecating, but it is horrid. That smell is terrible and nobody gives me answers. Carly, I need answers. Please give me answers. I'm desperate. Please. Please. So, after a long day of chit-chatting, we have three potential culprits. Number one, mulch. Stinky fertilizer or dirt used for the plethora of plants that are at Adventureland could be causing a stench. I'm very sensitive to fertilizer smells. I haven't smelled in Adventureland, but maybe it's a different breed of that that you are smelling because of all the plants in that area. It's a possibility. Slightly unlikely, but it's I'm throwing it up on the board. Number two, Water. There could be stagnant water that's caught under the bridge, which a handful of people tweeted at me about. Perhaps the water near there is just not, it's not, uh, it's not being pushed through. I don't know. I'm told that it is, so that's definitely not water, but again, could be, could be one of the reasons people tweeted me about it. I don't know. But, What I think is the main contender, the main reason that you have smelled something icky near Adventureland is because of trash. Apparently at Disneyland Park, the space behind the Adventureland bathrooms is home to trash compactors. A lot of people on Twitter and online cited smelling the stench near the bathrooms, near the Dole Whip stand, near the entrance of Adventureland specifically. And I'm thinking on a windy day, that scent is just wafting over towards you. That is the most logical explanation for what you've smelled. Because I haven't smelled it, but plenty of people have. Must be a wind-related situation. I don't think it's the park itself. It has to be those trash compactors. It has to. It has to. So that's what I'm, I'm going with. It's not a conclusive answer, but all evidence points towards it. So I feel good closing this case. Uh, thank you for bringing this issue to me. I, I had, I truly had no idea. I was not lying about it. I'm, I'm shocked and I'm glad to have found you a sort of solution. Uh, I wish you, uh, good smell tidings on your next trip to Disneyland. And I, I hope that no one, no one smells any, any trashy smells over there anymore. Yucky. And just when you thought the stench chat was over, I'm back and I have a fourth entry for the smellovers, which is septic tanks. The least fun but most realistic reason is that those toilets over there are likely hella old and have way old septic tanks and systems that can fill up more quickly. Every time I say that I start to smell poop, I gotta get out of this segment ASAP. So it's one of those fours. Maybe it's a combo of three and four. Maybe a little cocktail of one and three with a smidge of four. Either way, I threw a bunch of darts at a smelly dartboard, and I'm pretty sure some of it is correct. That's what I got. Yeehaw! Okay. 
Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym, so like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Carly, this is Kristen. I was calling. I know in the past you solved pickle-related mysteries for Disney, uh, but I've been at Disney this weekend, and I know that, you know, the toppings bars are currently not okay with COVID going on, 
But I cannot find like pickle chips, like to save my life. I've asked multiple cast members and they're like, we just don't have them. Multiple parks. It's like they don't exist, like they never existed. So I don't know if it's possible for you to find out if there's some pickle shortage happening, uh, if there's somewhere where I can get these pickles, if there's some brand that I should track down. But essentially, where are the pickle chips? I guess that's my question. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. Bye. Okay. This is a real bizarre one. For anyone confused from the get-go, pickle chips are, you know, like those little pickles that go on hamburgers or sometimes sandwiches, like little discs of pickles. Pickle chips! Pickle chips. I hear you. So I, just like you, Kristen, spent a while trying to find an answer to this. Are we being pickle gaslit? Are we being brine lied to? Are we being brined to? I asked so many people and my assumption was that it came down to Disney facing supplier issues. These parks, remember, are not running at 100% yet. Not by any means. A lot of stuff still isn't open. And I think we're likely just seeing shortages and food orders varying in real time. Something similar happened over the weekend, which I posted about in my Instagram stories. Brooke Geiger McDonald alerted me to that the white queso at Mexico Pavilion was replaced with liquid nacho cheese. My very favorite cheese, but still doesn't belong there. White queso is, that's where it calls home. That's where it should be. But by the next day, once I was very, very upset about it, and by the next day, according to my friends at Disney Food Blog, it was back to normal. It was white queso again. So I was under the assumption that that is why you didn't get pickles on the side with your meal. That seemed to be the only explanation to me until I heard from someone who works at Picosville, where this all originated from. And they said, are you, are you ready? Are you sitting down? Brace yourself. They said they haven't ever seen pickles at Pico's Bill or anywhere in Frontierland or Adventureland since they began working, which was rather recently. But still, they've been there for a bit. I, I don't I don't know if the pickle mystery is solved or now even more difficult to gauge. Is is this a pickle spiracy? Hello, this is future Carly interrupting because the pickle plot thickens. Get those briny theories ready because I think I have a solution. I spoke to a few people before a previous extended reply, which I've cut. Poof, it's gone. But I finally have a legit answer for you. So as we know, and I should have explicitly mentioned up top, I apologize. Pico's Bill and Magic Kingdom used to have a fixins bar. A lot of people listening, I'm sure, are familiar with it. Self-serve toppings, load them up however you'd like. Since the parks closed in March 2020, though, things like that have been long gone. However, Magic Kingdom has been open for over a year now, so them not having pickles still seems pretty strange, even if we're not back to pickles being self-serve. Pico's Mill now, instead, gives pre-packaged fix-ins, but apparently, pickles and jalapenos got axed. And I'm told it's very, very likely, this is intense, brace yourselves, the fix-ins bar at Pico's Bill may never return? I don't want to incite panic, but it seems like they just wiped pickles off the face of the planet. And someone who isn't maybe familiar with the previous setup, you ask them for pickles, it would be like you asking them for a handful of shredded mozzarella or just like a six pack of tortillas. It's something they don't just give out with meals. So I think that's why you were met with such weird reception and why pickles were just nowhere to be found because they got cut along with the fixins bar. No idea if they're coming back. I hope the fixins bar comes back. 
I'm sure they're not going to bring it back because why would they bring back self-serve condiments that cost money when they were doing just fine without it? But either way, I think we finally have a solution. I think we nailed it. Oh, these pickled brain quandaries can rest easy. Hey, Carly, this is Lauren, and I just wanted to know which attraction that is no longer around at both Universal Studios and Walt Disney World uh, would you want to experience? And if you could bring back one thing, what would it be? This could be food or otherwise. <laughs> Love the podcast, and thanks so much for doing what you do. Bye. Okay, I am going to roll over on expectations and give you something you might be kind of surprised by. It's not a food, weirdly enough, considering I would pay a pretty penny to have an unlimited free-flowing nacho cheese dispenser return to Cosmic Rays and Magic Kingdom. Oh my God, it's not that, and it's not even at Disney. If I could bring back one thing, if I had the power to resurrect a single theme park experience, it would be Universal Studios Florida's Back to the Future the ride. Here's why. I have very few memories of going to these theme parks as a child. As you know, I came into this as a reporter a few years ago, and I have just been swallowed whole by the entire universe of it, and now only talk about theme parks every day of my life. It's all I report about. It's all I write about for the past six or seven years. However, I have a very clear memory as a child when we went to Universal Studios Florida and my brother and my dad and I think my grandfather went on Back to the Future the Ride and I was not allowed to go on because I was young and I would be scared. Now, in retrospect, that was the right call. 100% the right call. I would have been terrified. I was a small child. I probably wasn't even tall enough. It was just a non-starter. But because I never went on it, it's just something in the back of my head where I'm like, I've, ne- I've never been on Back to the Future of the Ride. I've never been on it. And I want to go on it in Florida. I want to. I want to. I do not like the Simpsons ride. It makes me physically ill. I think that that ride was not created for humans with organs inside their body. Maybe it's for like whatever, however we change our body chemistry in the decades going forward. But for right now in time, that ride should not be for humans. It should not be for humans. Nothing gets me sicker. It is the only thing I flat out refuse, refuse, refuse to go on because it will just end my day. And this is what I do for a living. And I still won't go on The Simpsons ride. I think it's trash. There, I said it. So Back to the Future of the Ride just holds this, this, like, this high memory in my head of something I couldn't do that I've always wanted to do. So if I could bring anything back, I'd bring that back. I think I'd bring that back. I might immediately regret it and be like, no, why did I bring back confrontation or something else or a food I really liked? But no. My instant answer is back to the future of the ride, and I'm sticking by it. Hi, Carly. This is Mallory. I saw that you just picked up Swig again on your drive to Colorado. I live in Utah, so we have Swigs all over. And I was just wondering what your go-to order is there, just to see if we have similar taste at all. Right now, I like the mango breeze. Not that you care, but it's really good, and I would recommend grabbing it if you doctor on your way back to California. Love the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Oh, I'm sorry. An excuse to talk about swig on the podcast? Whoo, I'll take it. So for those who are not in the know and giddy at the idea of swig, swig is a regional beverage chain, which sells what they're known for are dirty sodas. These are sodas that have flavor shots in them, different ingredients to trick them out, kind of like a soda version of Starbucks. I went for my first time last year when we did the Colorado Drive and had been wanting to go forever. And that trip actually spawned 
this story that I wrote for Eater about pink frosted cookies. Now, if you have been to Crumble, if you've been to Swig, if you've been to, oh my gosh, there's so many other ones now, but if you've been anywhere where they sell a sugar cookie with pink frosting on top, and it's a bit of a trend right now on TikTok as well, those cookies are actually traced back to a gas station just outside of St. George, Utah. That is one of my pride and joy pieces because I the best part of being a journalist is diving into a world you know nothing about and emerging with the story to tell others. And that is a perfect example of it. And it all ties back to this little like beverage shack that I drove through while in St. George. I don't know if there are actually like other fancy standalone ones, but the only ones we've been to, you truly pull through a drive-through and a very nice person asks you what you want to drink on a tablet. And you're like, I'm sorry, what do you sell here? And if you're not in the know, it's very confusing, like a little bit of a Dutch bros vibe if you've been there and can feel me. But don't worry, I did my research and I even wrote down exactly what I got last time so that I could get the correct order on the way back because I loved it. So my move is to get two drinks. I already told Ben I'm getting four next time. I don't care. It's a long drive. It's a long drive. I want my bevies. The last time I got a 32-ounce raspberry dream with Diet Dr. Pepper. This is Diet Dr. Pepper with coconut cream with a shot of raspberry. It shouldn't work, but oh my gosh, it does. Ben keeps being like, we don't have to stop here. You can buy raspberry syrup and make it at home. <laughs> no, no, no. It's more magical when you are handed it. I'm sorry. It is. But the other drink I got this time, which was a game changer was a 24 ounce refresher. This was a sparkling water kind of cocktail sitch, which had uh, sparkling water, obviously, sugar-free coconut syrup, fresh lime, and frozen mango. It was one of the best things I've ever drank. I, I, I would I would have a camelback full of this stuff if I could. I mean, the fruit wouldn't go through the straw, but you know what I mean. It was so good. So I think those are my my go-tos now, I had some other stuff last time I went, but these are my solid choices. Raspberry Dream and a refresher. If anyone else is a total swig nut like I am, please let me know. And if you ever go get a pink frosted cookie, look up my story on Eater about the origin of them. It's really, really interesting. And it all traces back to this place called Dutchman's Market, which started the whole trend and originally supplied the cookies to swig. There's so much drama. You got to check it out. Okay, bye. Hey, this is Autumn from Alabama. I've been listening since your first episode, and I have maybe a loaded question, but I feel like as a theme park journalist, you can probably answer this objectively. What is the best Disney theme park in the world? All right. Bye-bye. Ooh, hands down, it's Tokyo Disney Sea. I'll say it loud and proud. Animal Kingdom is tight. Epcot has my heart. Magic Kingdom is the center of attention. Shanghai Disneyland is a behemoth. Hong Kong Disneyland is bliss. But Tokyo Disney Sea is bar none the greatest Disney park in the entire world because it exists nowhere else in the entire world. Tokyo Disney Sea is one of a kind, sure, but it also charts the highest highs of all things Disney fans love entertainment, design, merchandise, rides characters, atmosphere, lands, across the board, the level of detail and placemaking at Tokyo Disney Sea is on its own level. This is essentially a Disney park that did not get budget engineered. No quarters were cut. You can see the money everywhere you look. Rides are spotless and for the most part run exceptionally smoothly. 
every space feels unbelievably real and detailed and eye-catching. It's almost like walking through a series of movie sets, honestly. It's just so, so beautiful. You enter through Mediterranean Harbor, which is this like Venice-like collection of canals and Italian building facades, and that connects to American Waterfront, which has this 1920s-ish version of New York City with an elevated train and a huge cruise ship. The SS Columbia, a huge cruise ship, just sits there, doesn't go anywhere, doesn't go on cruises, just sits there in his home to a Teddy Roosevelt-themed bar where you can drink on a cruise ship that's kind of real, kind of not, on water that's inside a land that isn't going anywhere. It's media. It's media. This doesn't sound real when I say this stuff out loud. I've been there, and it's real, baby, and it is spectacular. But on the other end, there's a massive volcano that erupts. It just erupts. It has a ride inside of it. No big deal. And that's only, like a third or a half of the park. <laughs> These lands are beautiful and unique, and they're all connected by the theme of water. I would tell you about all of them, but this podcast would be 17 hours long. And I gotta say, all of them being waterfronts really does make the park feel more elevated on top of all the stuff I already mentioned. Still, what makes this park the most special is that it's the perfect mix of familiar and foreign that Disney fans like myself crave. And that's because Tokyo Disney Resort, which includes Tokyo Disneyland, which itself is impeccable, oh my gosh, and Tokyo Disney Sea, is owned by the Oriental Land Company. It's not the Walt Disney Companies. It's a completely other company that licenses everything from Disney, hires their Imagineers to work on projects, and is really creates their experiences for an entirely different audience. So because of that, it really feels like you're in a Disney park, but also not. Everything is similar, yet completely different, and it's a feeling that exists to some level overseas in places like Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris and Shanghai Disneyland and some areas of Hong Kong Disneyland, but nowhere more than Tokyo Disney Resort, specifically Tokyo Disney Sea, can you feel that. There are a few things that are quite similar to the States, like Toy Story Mania and Indiana Jones Adventure, but other rides we have, like Soarin' and Tower of Terror, are totally different here. And then there's the fact that you will just go on rides that exist nowhere else, like Sinbad's Storybook Adventure with a song by Alan Menken. <laughs> you go through these big rooms and you're like, how this room doesn't need to be here. How did this not get cut from the project? How did you spend this much money? This didn't need to be executed to this level. And yet it does. It exists and it's real. And it's so perfect. I could go on forever. I could truly go on forever about Tokyo Disney Sea, And I won't, but I'll mention that what tips this park over the edge are the people. Truly, the joy of park guests is not only palpable, but contributes to its culture and shapes its offerings. I reported on this for Bloomberg last year about what makes Tokyo Disney Sea so captivating for American Disney fans, and the guests themselves really are part of what makes this park such a draw. Hand in hand with the fact that it is sacred ground for Duffy and Friends, which for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode of Very Amusing Yet, I highly recommend you do if you want to know more about the vibe of Tokyo Disney Sea. It being this remarkable, exceptional place that also boasts a crew of characters who are slowly taking over Mickey and Friends' popularity that originate here, Duffy's home in Cape Cod. Oh, it's just heaven. So that's my rant. Tokyo Disneyland 2 is exceptional, but Tokyo Disney Sea is where my heart lies. The second all of this is over, the second I can get myself back to Disney Sea, I'm there. And I hope to see all of you there too. If you ever have any questions about it or need the push to travel there, let me know. I clearly feel very strongly about it, and I am happy to push you into Duffy and Friends Wonderland. Anytime. Anytime. 
Hey, Carly, Skylar here. I was calling because I just heard your mom say that you've been on The Price is Right, and I need to know two things. One, where can we see this footage? And two, what matching shirt did you and your mom wear? Thanks. Bye. Ooh, mom. Okay. I, 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 before you get excited thinking I won a vacation to Hawaii, please know that I was in the audience the entire time. I was never called on stage. I was barely on camera. I went with my friend Jamie and I was actually deemed ineligible to participate because I am so painfully honest that when I went there and I filled out all the paperwork, we waited hours to get on the show. So excited. Uh, when I filled out the paperwork, I was too honest in it. And they were like, do you know anyone affiliated with the show? And I was like, no, but I have a friend who works on this lot. I have a friend who worked on the CBS studio lot. And they were like, um, ma'am, can we speak to you for a minute? And so they're like, who do you know? Tell us more. And I explained it. And they were like, yeah, you're not going on the show. I guess they thought I was like learning the cheats of Plinko backstage by having a friend who worked in near proximity. I don't know. But I was banned from ever making it on stage. So uh, I'm barely ever seen on camera. My friend Jamie didn't make it up onto stage either, but we got to be in the audience firsthand and see what it was like, which was pretty exciting. But yeah, no, I didn't. There's no footage. I promise. I I won nothing. My mom's just uh, mom's just being a supportive mom. But no, I, I won nothing. I was barely on it. And not one of those dream stories where you make it to the showcase showdown. I wish. Oh, I wish. I want to spin the wheel. Uh, not the wheel. You know what I mean? Not I'm not, not like wheel of fortune wheel, like the pull down dollar wheel. Yeah, no. Okay, bye. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here You know, a lot of people ask me What inspires your music? And one of the big things is A strong sense of place That's why I love my home state of South Carolina And want to share the awesome things it has to offer From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast It's got it all Not to mention two of my personal favorites Great golf and amazing food Come see why I love this place Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who helped me solve some of these questions. Thank you to everyone who called in! Oh my gosh, the Churros Hotline has been blowing up with your calls, and I am very, very thankful and appreciative. I, of course, was not able to get to all of them, so we will cover a few more next week, and so on and so forth. There's always more to come of the Churros Hotline, so be sure to give us a call at 747churros, or send us an email at 747churros at gmail.com with a voice note attached. We are happy and we are here to solve all of your theme parts related questions and issues and address your hot takes and just let you know that we get it too when it comes to you being upset about things like homemade Disneyland signs or Ohana noodle shrimp casserole situations. We got you. We got your back here on Very Amusing. You can find me, Carly Wiesel, online at Carly Wiesel, literally everywhere. No one has my name. It's a blessing. No one knows how to pronounce it though, so it's also a curse, etc, etc. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe slash follow, which is the new terminology. Very amusing on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to Rockstar Chick, CC Loves Disney, Hawkeye724 1994, and C Costello10 for leaving reviews this past week. I'm so appreciative. I love seeing it. Oh my gosh! We're at five, five out of five for ratings and reviews. We did it! We did it, everyone! Thank you so much! We're at five out of five! Five out of five! Five out of five! Now I don't have to have a small anxiety attack whenever I pull up the podcast page to grab a link to link out to the episode. This is this is thrilling. Thank you all so much! Oh my god, what a surprise! Wow, I had no idea! Okie doke, what a what a joyous gift. Thank you all so much. I also want to extend a very special thank you to Alex and Alex's wife. It was lovely to email with you this week, and thank you so much for reaching out. This podcast was edited sharp-wittingly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. Oh, my God. This week was so much fun. First of all, dad of the pandemic year, Mark, is Amazing. Who could even think of doing this Star Wars-themed birthday party, let alone execute it and do teacup rides and do this? And it was outstanding to hear. I thought I was, like, such a great mom because I made you a Mickey Mouse party for your third birthday, and there was a Mickey Mouse inside, a Minnie Mouse inside the cake. And I thought, wow, I really outdid myself. And then one year I took your friends and you to the movies, And I bought them these backpacks filled with popcorn and soda and candy and all sorts of presents. And I thought, wow, these birthdays are getting better and better. Had I known there were people like Mark who do things like this, I am totally blown away. He is amazing. Kudos to him. And then there's Brandon, who was talking about his mini Disney World which sadly, that was a very sad story. I almost started crying. That was so sad. But happily. He made Disneyland, and it is, I looked on YouTube, it's crazy amazing. Like, how talented are these people? It is wonderful. And it was wonderful to hear you did a great job, and I'm hoping Disney hires both of them. If I was working at Disney, I would have hired them. All right, sweetie, you have a great week. Call me, or I'll keep calling back. Love you. Bye.